Habakkuk chapter number 1, verses 1 through 5. We begin reading now. The Bible said, The burden which Habakkuk the prophet did see. O Lord, how long shall I cry? Thou wilt not hear. Even cry out unto thee of violence, and thou wilt not save. Why dost thou show me iniquity, and cause me to behold grievance? For spoiling and violence are before me, and there are that raise up strife and contention. Does that sound familiar today, America? Verse 4, therefore the law is slacked, judgment doeth never go forth, for the wicked doeth compass, compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgment proceedeth, God help us. Verse 5, behold ye among the heathen, and regard... This is the Lord speaking now. Verses 1 through 4 was Habakkuk's prayer. Verse 5, the narrative changes. God is speaking. Behold ye among the heathen and regard and wander marvelously, for I will work a work in your days which ye will not believe, though it be told you. And today my assignment is to preach to you on welcome to a work of God. Thank you, and you can be seated in the presence of the Lord this morning. Welcome to a work of God. He said, Behold ye among the heathen, and regard and wonder marvelously, for I will work a work, not just in anybody's day, but in your days. What days? The days of peril that Habakkuk was praying about. The days when judgment was descending upon the nation of Israel for their great sins. The day in which righteousness was not in charge and the wicked ruled and everyone did that which was right in his own eyes and the wicked ganged up against the just. It sounds just like what we're walking through in today's world. And yet God says, I'm going to do something so magnificent, so marvelous, so wonderful that you're not even going to believe it if I told, told you about it. The notion that we get is when we see so much uh, wreckage and ruin in our culture and in, in our society, the notion is that, well, the church has seen her best days. The notion is that our nation has seen its Prime time and now we're in decline and we're heading towards a cliff and towards destruction for which we will never be able to recuperate. The idea and the notion is that we can become so overwhelmed by the wickedness that is on every side that we soon forget that even in the midst of our years and even in the midst of our tears and in our trouble and our trial that God is still doing a great work in the land. Just because you don't see the work and just because you don't understand the work and just because you don't believe that it is a work of God does not mean that God is working. I've, I've heard discouraged preachers get up and make comments like this. Well, God's just not 
saving them like you used to. Don't get around me and talk that negative garbage to me, please, sir. Because God is not done yet. Can I get an amen, church? God is still alive and well and working wonders amongst the people of God in spite of the wreck and the ruin of the culture in which we are surrounded. Amen. God wants you to know, Washington Heights Baptist Church, that He is nowhere near done yet, that He has got a work that He's going to do, and He's going to do it in spite of all the junk that's going on in this world today. What we need to learn how to do is trust God and believe God in spite of it all and know that God is still on the throne, that the Gospel still saves, and He still loves sinners, and He can still reach down to the lowest point and drag people up out of the muck and out of the mire and establish their goings and put their feet on a solid rock. He can still turn lives around. He can still deliver the addict from his addiction. He can still deliver the liar from his his propensity to tell lies. He can still even save a politician, believe it or not. God is able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to His riches. Amen. According to what He is able to do and not what we are able to do. I've come to remind you that we need to look to God and not look to our trouble for answers. Don't draw your conclusions based upon the optics based upon what you observe and see with your natural eye. If, you, if, you, if you're not careful, you'll end up uh, uh, missing what it is that God wants to do in our day. Amen? I, I want to quickly give you a few things of, on what happens when God works. What happens when God works. Number one, I want to give you this. God works with unlikely people. Amen. God works with unlikely people. He said, Behold ye among the heathen. He didn't say, Now, back up, Habakkuk. I got this fine group of Christians over here that's going to save the world. That's not what he said. He said, What I want you to know is I'm working even amongst the heathen. I'm working even amongst the people that don't know me. I'm bigger than the box that you have put me in. Somebody say, Amen. And I'm telling you this morning, he said he will do a work among the heathen. And the Bible said in verse 6 of our text, chapter 1, verse 6, For lo, I will raise up the Chaldeans, that bitter and hasty nation. He described these people in verse 7 as a terrible and dreadful people. And I understand the context is that God was raising up the Chaldeans to bring judgment on the nation of Israel for their national sins. But my point this morning and my application that I want to draw from that is, is that God will use all kinds of people. And I don't want you to disqualify yourself or anyone else from being an instrument in the hands of Almighty God. Because it don't matter how messed up we are. Isn't that what grace is for? I mean, grace changes everything. If it were not for the grace of God, couldn't none of us claim anything this morning. But God's grace is what brought us out. And God's grace is what does anything in the midst of this crooked and in this perverse generation. And you need to understand that when God starts working... He always works with people that you and I would think would be the most unlikely people for Him to use. Uh, If you don't believe that, you need to look no further than the book of Ephesians, chapter 2 and verse 1, where the Bible says this, And you hath He quickened. 
<laughs> That's a big you. I mean, think about it. How many of you could testify this morning, uh, if God could save me, He could surely save anybody. Amen. Uh, I mean, and you have to quicken. You don't need to look no further than the mirror than to believe that God will use anybody. Amen. Don't get so religious and pious and better than thou that you think that you're... Uh, uh, God help me, I'm going to say something I'm going to regret. Amen. Uh, don't think that you're better than other people. Amen. Listen, we're all sinners and we all fall short. And the the fact that God even uses any of us is just as nothing short of a miracle in and of itself. He said, you have to quicken who were dead in trespasses and in sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh. Y'all remember them days? God help us. Fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy for His great love wherewith He loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us that He made us alive together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Then skip to verse 8. For by grace... Are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves in case you thought you did it? It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. I took the time to read it to remind you that we have no bragging rights outside of Jesus Christ. Amen. And I want you to encourage people that even have the slightest hint that God might be able to use them. Don't you be that negative person that says, well, God will never use you, not after what all you've done and not after all that you have said and not after wherever you have been. You better not tell anybody that God can't use them because the second you do, God will raise them up and use them just to spite you and to prove to you that He's God and He can use whosoever He will. Amen. God is the one that qualifies any of us to serve Him by His blood and by His righteousness. I, I, I don't bring to you a great talent this morning as a preacher. I bring to you somebody that, that was broken down before God scooped me up off the bottom. And whatever I am today, I am by the grace of God and that alone. And I'm telling you today, that's the same for you and anybody else. So don't lose hope that God can use Anybody, because God starts with unlikely people. Amen, church? Glory to God this morning. That's what happens when God begins to do a work. But not only that, number two, God works with unbelieving preachers. <laughs> oh, look at your text, verse 5 again. I will work a work in your days, which ye... He's talking to Habakkuk. Which ye will not believe, though it be told you. I thought Habakkuk was more spiritual than that, didn't you? Amen. And you think I'm more spiritual than I am. Newsflash. Amen. Don't you put Gary Caudill up on a pedestal, because the second you do, God will humble me in front of you, so you lose your confidence in me and put it back in him. I don't need that, please. Keep me, keep me down there. If you want to put me up on anything, put me up on your prayer list. Because I need your prayers. And that's the same thing for any of us. Look, we can't, we can't 
claim anything. We can't say that we've done anything. We can only say that God is the one working in our midst. And God will even use unbelieving preachers. Listen, I remember I got saved in a little church called Billings Hill Baptist Church out in the middle of the country there in Chapel, North Carolina. I mean, they probably had an average of 20 in attendance max. And we didn't have the greatest talent. We're just a little country church. Amen. And the, the preacher was uneducated. He did the best he could. He wasn't the greatest orator. I respect him. I love him. And I thank God for him. But there was nothing that that church could brag about other than the fact that they knew how to pray and they believed God at His Word. And you know what God did? God used that least unsuspecting little church to reach the Caudill family. Amen. And one day we come to church like we did any other day and God scooped up and saved me and my two brothers all in one Sunday. And, and, and God put us in the ministry all from a place where, uh, you would argue, even say, you, you might even say of that preacher, you know what? That's not the greatest preaching I've ever heard. Amen. Have you ever heard a preacher you thought, well, my Lord, they need to find somebody else? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> but you're thinking about somebody right now. But you know, sometimes we're heavily critical, even of people in leadership. But let me remind you of something. Preachers are people too. And they're doubters. We don't always have great faith. Oh, we put on a good show. And we, we're, we're good cheerleaders sometimes. We'll, we'll fan your flame, but then sometimes we'll go home and we'll cry ourselves to sleep because we don't know how in the world God is going to do it. We don't want to mislead our people into believing God for something then for them to be disappointed because He didn't. That we have fears and we have concerns of our own. You need to understand something. In spite of our inadequacies, in spite of our deficiencies, in spite of our imperfections, God uses even unbelieving preachers. Amen? And I thank God today that He don't wait for perfect conditions to move in our midst. I thank God that He looked down on our mess and said, You know what? If I don't do it, it won't get done. So I'm going to step down in a robe of flesh. I'm going to become one of them. And then I'm going to do it. And I'm going to pull them out of this mess. And it'll be because of what I did, not what they did. Amen. Amen. When God works, He'll use preachers that are doubtful. He'll use people that are not so confident in their leadership capabilities, but He'll use them nonetheless. And He will work with them. Listen, I know God wants you to believe Him. And I don't discount that. I'm not, that's not what I'm saying this morning. But uh, have you ever heard the, the, the prayer that was prayed in the New Testament? Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. Have you ever been to that point in your life where you knew that to believe God, you knew to trust God, but there was something on the inside that was nagging you. It just seemed like there was a doubt that you just simply didn't know how to overcome. You wanted to believe God, but you didn't know that you could. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Let me tell you something. When God gets to working, He is even bigger than your unbelief. Amen? The Bible said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, If we believe not, yet He abideth faithful. He cannot deny Himself. Amen? I'm glad that there's so much that God is doing uh, in our life that He's bigger than even our doubts. Amen? I want to say this while we're talking about God using unbelieving preachers and unbelieving people. I want to say this. There is so much that God is doing in this world today that we have not been trained nor allowed to see as a God thing. Amen. Amen. As a proud Baptist, we are often highly critical of other denominations. 
so much to the point that we stink with pride, assuming that God is not even working over there in that church. Because this or because that. You want to know what the truth is? We're all messy and we all need grace. And God, I like what uh, Mark Lowry said, he spreads grace like a three-year-old spreads peanut butter. He gets it all over the place. <laughs> Amen. Ain't that good? Oh, I'm telling you, you want to find out that God uses people in the Methodist church. God uses people in the Episcopalian church. God has people, amen, all over the place. And we better not be so critical of them that we discount them as one of God's people that God's using in that part of the kingdom of God. Amen, church. I'm telling you right now, we better swallow our pride and, and, and learn how to walk in humility and just thank God that any of us are saved and trying to serve God at all. Amen. Have you ever seen God do something or you someone that you were shocked and surprised that He did or used? I have. <laughs> it started with a mirror. Amen. I'm shocked that God uses me at all. I'll just be honest with you. Uh, but I thank God that He does. And I want Him to continue to do that. But I also want you to have the confidence to know that God is bigger than your setbacks and He still wants to use you for His glory. Amen. John 10:16. Other sheep I have, Jesus said, which are not of this fold. Did you know Jesus got other peeps that you don't know about? Amen. God has other people that you don't even know about. Amen. Now, they got to be saved the same way. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. they got to believe in the blood of Jesus. they got to repent of their sin. Amen. I'm not preaching uh, uh, this one world religion thing. That's not at all what I'm saying. We better go by the blood or we don't go at all, right? You hear what I'm saying? But I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that believe in salvation by grace through faith only that don't have Baptist on the church sign. And we're going to learn how to worship God together in heaven if we don't learn how to worship Him down here. And some of you need to get in good practice because if you don't like to worship down here, you're going to be miserable in heaven. God help your soul. Amen. I'm telling you this morning, we need to know that God will use unlikely people and God will even use unbelieving people and even unbelieving preachers. But it's, it's to the point that He wants to bring us to full assurance of faith. I want to say it this way. He will work with you through your struggle to lead you and guide you into all truth. Amen. He's patient. He's like a loving father. Uh, he's going to be patient with you. He's going to teach you. And when you stumble and fall, he's going to pick you back up again. He's going to dust you off. He said, now let's try it this way this time since you didn't listen to me the last time. Amen, church. Uh, and God is going to be like a father to you and he will lead you and he will guide you in all truth so that you come to the point to where you can and do believe God. He wants to build up your most holy faith. But He's so big that He can work even without your faith. Amen. He can get you to that point. I don't know who that's for this morning, but somebody's struggling to believe God. They might be somebody this morning uh, borderline between saying yes to Jesus or continuing to live your own life. And you're struggling to even put your faith in Jesus. You've heard all the naysayers. You've heard what they've said to try to discredit the Bible. And you don't even know if you believe there's a God. But let me tell you something. Even in the midst of your doubt, God is ever pursuing you. And He's not going to let you go down without a fight. If you will listen, if you'll learn to listen for the voice of God, He'll speak to you. And He'll give you the sweet assurance that you need. Did you know that when He saved you, it, it, even the faith that you have is a faith that He gives? Amen. He even gives you the faith to believe. How, how do you know that, preacher? Well, the Bible says it this way. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You can't even have faith until you're exposed to that book. 
And who gave us that book? None other than the Lord God Jehovah through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, using men who were authors under His inspiration. Amen. And God will work with you in your doubt to get you to a point of belief, to get you a point to where you can believe God. Uh, uh, Paul wrote to the Romans and said, I long to see you that I may impart unto you some spiritual gift to the end you may be established. And that's what God's doing. He's working with you to the end that you may be established in your faith. He said that is that I may be comforted together with you by the mutual faith, both of you and me. Paul was essentially saying, I need to strengthen my faith as much as you need to strengthen your faith. And sometimes... If God counted on me to have the kind of faith to move mountains, well, that mountain would just stay put. I'm just being honest. But if you need a faith boost, get in the Word of God. You believe it. You read it till you believe it. I say it this way. If you read the Bible long enough, it'll make a believer out of you. Amen. It will. It'll make a believer out of you. You say, I read it once and didn't do nothing for me. You didn't read it long enough. Amen. And plus, you don't know how, how how deep that seed was sown and what God might turn, uh, activate that seed later in your life. And you don't even have a clue what God's got inside of you right now. Amen. That word doesn't plant so deep inside of you. Amen. You can't get away from a, a, a God that wants to save you. Praise God. Listen, he's going to he'll go near and far to save such as call on his name. Right, church? Amen. Amen. Listen, God will use people who are not only unlikely to be used but unbelieving people i gotta move number three god works in unruly places don't discount the fact that god might be working in the midst of a chaotic location uh in our text back at 113 thou art of purer eyes uh this is habakkuk uh, talking to the lord praying to the lord and he said, Thou art of purer eyes than to behold evil, and canst not look on iniquity. Wherefore, lookest thou upon them that deal treacherously, and holdest thy tongue when the wicked devoureth the men that is more righteous than he. Uh, Habakkuk is saying, Hey God, look, uh, these people are wicked, and they're doing wicked things to your righteous people, and you're not saying a word about it. You're not stepping in, and you're not saving the day, and I want to know what's up with that. Have you ever wondered why God don't sometimes step in and intervene and stop the wicked from doing their wicked things? Amen. I mean, I've been thinking along those lines for a long time now. I'm not, I consider myself to be a young man. I'm only 42. To some of these kids, I'm, I'm an aged one. <laughs> but they'll learn. 42 is pretty young, right? Now listen to me. We wonder why. God why would you let these people just go on and on? It seems like they're never going to face judgment. It seems like there's nobody to hold them accountable. You just hold on. We ain't to the end of this message yet. Amen. But we wonder, don't we? We, we question. We're human. We're just like Habakkuk. We're, we're doubting because we don't understand what God is doing or what God's not doing or why He's not doing it. But the truth is, God is doing a work even in unruly places. Look, He said, verse 14, uh, these people, uh, they make men as the fish of the sea, as the creeping things that have no ruler over them. Basically saying these, uh, these, uh, these political powers are treating people uh, like they're commodities. 
And isn't that the way it is today? They treat us like we're commodities. If, if you can't improve their bottom dollar, they're not interested in you. You're like a number to these wicked people that rule in so many places in the world today. And the Bible said they take up all of them with the angle. They catch them in their net and gather them in their drag. Therefore, they rejoice and are glad. He said, Lord, not only are they doing it, but they're having a good time doing it. They're acting like they don't have a care in the world and they actually enjoy making our lives miserable. And that's the way politicians are today. They're corrupt as the day is long. Amen. Most of them, if, they, if, they, uh, if they'd operate like NASCAR, they should wear all of the people that bought them on their shirts so we would know who sold them out. Amen. That's exactly right. And, uh, and probably all of them, if not most of them, I believe there's some Christians in politics. Don't get me wrong. But, uh, buddy, it's getting hard to be a Christian and be a politician. It's getting hard. Why? Because these politicians, they're, they're, uh, they're under the deception of the God of this world. Their, their minds have been blinded, and they don't even see the destruction and the chaos that they're causing in the earth today. Their number one interest is protecting me, myself, and I, keeping my power, my money, and my sex, God, for, for all that wickedness that they get involved with to keep themselves you know, living it up or whatever. It's, it's all about that mess for them. And they don't care. Now, the question is, does Jesus care that that's what they're doing to us? Of course He cares. But you need to understand something. Just because they look like they're in control don't mean they're in control. In fact, God may be allowing them to be set up for a big fall. Amen. In fact, if you read on, that's what God told Habakkuk about the Chaldeans. Uh, eventually, he tells Habakkuk, even the Chaldeans are going to have their day in court. Amen. And so God's going to keep us all accountable. God's going to hold us all accountable. But the point is, listen, just because there's a lot of craziness going on in this world, just because every stinking politician has about lost their ever-loving mind, it doesn't mean that God's through working in America or for America or for this church or for this community. Amen. Just know that there's a bigger thing going on than what we can understand or realize and learn to thank God for what He's doing in your neck of the woods. Amen, church? God works in unruly places. He's still in control. I wish I had time to read all of this, but uh, I didn't realize how big a message this was until so I started preaching it. Amen. But look at God's response in verse 8 of chapter 2. I'm talking about God working in unruly places. You know what this is? This is God's response to Habakkuk asking him why he ain't done nothing about it yet. Look what God says. Because, and now, he's, now God is chiding with the Chaldeans, the wicked people. Because thou hast spoiled many nations, all the remnant of the people shall spoil thee. God said, you're going to have your day. You keep on abusing people. You keep on keeping your power in place and making your power plays at any expense to anybody but you and yours. You keep on, and even the remnant, the very few that are left over are going to end up being the ones to spoil you. See, not all power, but only power that is eternal is God's power. He raises up kings. He sits kings down, right? Amen. Amen. And, uh, and he said, Woe to him, verse 9, that coveteth an evil covetousness 
to his house, that he may set his nest on high, that he may be delivered from the power of evil. Thou hast consulted shame to thy house by cutting off many people and hast sinned against thy soul. God, preaching to the wicked today, uh, and this could be applicable to the politicians both in America and around the world, amen, uh, that are ruling wickedly. And said, verse 11, For the stone shall cry out to the wall, and the beam out of the timber shall answer it. Basically what God is saying, you may shut the people up, uh, but there's going to be a voice crying out somewhere, uh, and even the voiceless shall be heard, because I am God and I hear every cry, amen. Verse 12, Woe to him that buildeth a town with blood and establisheth a city by iniquity. Behold, it is not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall... I mean, is it not of the Lord of hosts that the people shall labor in the very fire and the people shall weary themselves for very vanity? God said, this is of me. I'm going to let the people suffer under your persecution until I'm ready to raise this back up and give them the upper hand and put you back in your place. Verse 14, For the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. God's basically saying by the time I get through, uh, uh, they, right now they're trying to shut me up. They're trying to shut my book up. They're trying to shut my people up. But by the time it's all said and done, my name will be heard on every street corner and on every broadcast network. My, my name will be filled. It'll fill the earth and my glory will fill the earth. And I'm telling you today, uh, don't you fret and don't you worry and don't you stress uh, over all those people that seem like they're in power and they're silencing us because one day uh, God's going to get the last laugh. And are you hearing what I'm saying? Uh, The whole earth shall be filled with the glory of God and you will not be able to hide from His presence or His voice or His Word. And every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess uh, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And I'm telling you, a Reckoning days are coming today. Amen. Amen. Give God some praise and glory this morning. Hallelujah. God shall be heard. Psalm 2 said it this way, Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. But then the Bible said, He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. The Lord shall have them in derision. That word means uh, He will have them being despised, shamed, and disgraced. Don't you worry about them. God will take care of them. Amen. Amen. Now, you may try to take care of them and you'll try in vain. The Bible says, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will repay, saith the Lord. You know what you do? You hide under the shadow of the Almighty and let He who is the judge of all people Take the vengeance out on your behalf that needs to be taken out and you let God be the judge. Amen. God will shelter you and He'll judge them. He will. And He'll take care of His own. I'm talking about God doing a work in the midst of these crazy years. I want to say that judgment is coming. And I I, I want to say to the crooked politicians that might be, by chance, listening to my voice either on radio or Internet, your days are coming. And I hope you enjoy the wine while it lasts. Amen. Amen. 
Because there's coming a day that you'll face the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God where He treads out His wine press. And you're not going to like that wine when you take a drink of it. Because you will face judgment. It's better to face them now in humility and repentance and receive the grace that's needed for forgiveness of sins than to face them on judgment day because you'll either confess them now or you'll confess them then. But the difference in timing determines whether you'll spend eternity in heaven or in hell. And yes, I'm an old-fashioned preacher and I believe in hell. I believe it's literal. I believe it's real. And I believe it's eternal. And I believe that if except we repent, we shall all likewise perish and spend eternity in a place called the lake of fire. And you need to be born again. I believe that the Bible says uh, that there's, uh, there's salvation. Uh, there's no other name under heaven given to men whereby we must be saved. That's the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. And if you don't put your faith in Jesus, you'll not be saved. Buddha, Muhammad, all them dead gods and them dead religious founders, they can't help you. They're, they're dead and in the grave, and might I add, they're in hell too because they didn't trust Jesus as their Savior. I know this sounds offensive and I'm not implying anything, but even if Mother Teresa didn't put her faith in Jesus Christ, you know where she would be today? She'd be in hell because you don't go to heaven or hell based on your works, based on the works of Christ. Amen. And you can spend your whole life working and laboring and doing mostly right and just sinning with the sins of your thoughts or whatever. And, and listen, it's not a matter of good outweighing bad. It's a matter of whether or not Jesus' righteousness is added to your account. And this crooked politicians today, don't worry about them. You know what? They're going to have their day in court. They may not ever hold each other accountable. And they may have wiggled their way out of us being able, as the, we the people, to hold them accountable. But one day they will be held accountable to Almighty God. Amen. And number four, I want to say this. When God works, God's works are unstoppable in His providence. They are unstoppable in His providence. No matter the people, no matter the preachers. And by the way, I didn't talk about false prophets. You know what? God's bigger than them too. They, they can deceive the masses, but you know what? God's still got a work going on. Amen. God's, regardless of the preachers, the people, the places, I need you to know that God is doing something. God's work is unstoppable. He said, I will work a work in your day. So, if you come... Dragging your feet to church next Sunday, discouraged about the way this old world's going, wondering if and when the church is going to close its doors. Don't worry. The Bible said, Upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. God's work will always go on. Habakkuk 3 2 said, O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath. Remember mercy. And that's what we need to pray. Because I do believe that America is facing a self-imposed judgment. Absolutely. You study the nation of Israel. And what, what makes America in particular so uniquely parallel to Israel is that 
when God founded Israel, he founded them based upon a covenant that he made with them. But when our founding fathers founded America, they founded America on a covenant that they made with God. So there's two nations. One, God made the covenant, which he cannot break because he can't lie. And one, men made a covenant. And because men dared make a covenant with God, God took them up on the offer. And that's why we're as blessed as we are. But when men begin to break that covenant, guess what? Those protections that are provided up under that covenant begin to dissipate. And we become judged by our own sins, by our, the breaking of our own covenant that we made with God. And when we, when we abandon our founding fathers and, and, and the documents upon this, which this land was established based on biblical principles, Amen. And I, I don't have time to get into all this because I'll, I'll get I'll, I'll get to running rabbits right here. But let me tell you something. I know it wasn't a perfect document, but you find me another document that founded a nation that was any stronger than the Constitution besides the Bible for the nation of Israel. Amen. I believe it was certainly inspired to some degree. I'm not saying it, it was inspired like the Scripture, every word, but... I do believe that them men prayed and asked God for direction and God gave them something. And they say, well, but them founding fathers were a bunch of racists and they owned slaves and all that. And they're trying to get you to discredit the quality of our founding documents. But you know what happened? Even the document itself corrected the, 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 uh, the problem of, of slavery in time. Amen. They wrote a document that they knew eventually, if implemented as written, would cause them to have to do away with slavery, but they wrote it anyway. Hey, we pre- and that's kind of like the Bible. You know, we preach the truth that's higher than we are. Amen. Do you live up to every Sunday school lesson you ever taught? Hey, do you live up to every sermon you ever preached? No, but we got to preach it anyway because we're all held to the same standard, aren't we? Amen. We strive for it. Look, God has His Word as a standard for this nation and for you as an individual. And the bottom line is God's still doing a work even in the midst of the a re- wicked and rebellious and perverse generation. And we need not lose heart because of all the wickedness that we see going on. Amen. We need to re- repent. That's a good old-fashioned word that needs to be preached often and loud. That means turn from your wicked ways. Amen. Uh, to, to repent is a change of heart towards God from your sin. And if you'll do that, you know what? God will begin to bless again. If this nation will repent, God will begin to bless this nation again. Amen? But here, here we see that God works in unstoppable providence in spite of all the problems that are going on. So in the midst of all these problems, God will make Himself known and He will remember mercy. Oh, I'm glad that He's going to remember mercy, aren't you? And that's my prayer for this nation. That's my prayer for this country, this, this church, and this community, that in the midst of the sin and the chaos that we find ourselves in today, that in wrath, God would remember mercy and that He would send a reviving in the midst, right up in the middle of all our mess. Amen. I'm talking about a welcome to a work of God. I didn't make that announcement because I showed up and now we can get to moving because Gary called us here. That's not what this is about. You know, God had all this planned out before when any of us were even born. Amen. We're just trying to figure out where he's at and get on board. Amen. 
This is bigger than us. But I want you to know something. God's up to something. God is up to something. Amen. So let me close this. Let me let me let me get out of this uh, real quick. Look at verse. Uh, if you if you still with me, say amen. amen. All right. Whew, there's a lot in here. Verse 17. Although the fig tree, this this, this is by the way, this is Habakkuk's conclusion after all this. His frustrations, God responding. This is what he says. Although the fig tree shall not blossom. This is a picture of the results of the judgment of God on a nation that forgot God, right? Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall the fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail and the field shall uh, yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold and there shall not be uh, there shall be no herd in the stalls. This is economic collapse, right? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. So you can either let it bother you or you can keep praising God anyhow. I will joy in the God of my salvation. I'm not going to let this world and what's happening rob me of my joy in the Lord. That's the conclusion that Habakkuk come to. And that's the conclusion that you and I need to come to. The saints of God still have reason to rejoice. The saints of God still have reason to get excited about what God's doing in the earth. He said, the Lord God is my strength and he will make my feet like hind's feet or like a, a doe's feet. Think swift and light. Amen. And he shall make me to walk upon mine high places. To the chief singer on my stringed instruments. He didn't hang up his harp in the willow tree and quit singing the Lord's song in a strange land. He said, I still got my harp out. I still got my music out. And by the way, if some of you quit singing in the choir, you need to get jump back up in the choir and start singing for the Lord again. Say amen, Miss Jane. All right. Amen. That's right. Don't quit singing for the Lord. Amen. I know the world's getting bad, but you don't have to go sour with it. Hello. Amen. I, uh, I like this illustration. You've probably heard of this before. But a boat don't sink because of all the water around it. It only sinks when the water gets in it. When Noah was on that ark, just about said Moses. <laughs> when Noah was on that ark, that water was the judgment of God. Completely surrounded him. But because the Lord sealed it and shut it. That judgment, those judging waters didn't get in that thing. And when God's pouring out His vials of wrath on a wicked and uh, crooked and perverse nation, because of them abandoning His Word and His principles, that judgment don't have to rest at your house. Think about the nation of Israel whenever they were in Egyptian bondage. Now, I know it'll affect you, don't get me wrong, but let me give you this illustration. They were over there and God sent utter darkness, but yet... While Egypt was in utter darkness, light was on over there at the camp of the Israelites. I'm telling you, God showed Habakkuk that he can have a personal revival in spite of what's going on around him. And you don't have to let nobody, either the world or folk in the church that are religious and pious and out of sorts with God, you don't have to let any of them rob you of your joy. You can serve God, you can do it faithfully, you can do it with joy. Amen. You can let God be your strength. 
Amen. Listen, God works with unlikely people, unbelieving preachers, unruly places, unstoppable providence. But I want to ask you this question. What are you going to do? God ain't give up. I mean, God could have just walked away a long time ago and said, just whatever. Y'all just have this thing. I'm gone. But look what he did. Instead of abandoning us, leaving us abandoned in our sin, he came to where we was. He said, now I know this may not change the natural consequences of what sin has caused in your life, but I can give you a brand new future. And your past don't have to determine your destination. Amen. So you want to know, you know what God wants us to do? Just make the best of the days we have. Just make the best of the days you got. You want to do that by keeping your song. Keep singing for the Lord. Keep playing for the Lord. Keep serving the Lord. Well, it don't feel like it's making any difference. Uh, are we trying to? Uh, in, uh, are we trying to get men to notice us, or do we want our Lord to notice? See, when we realize who we're serving, you quit quitting because other people ain't responding. We don't have no permission to quit. You let God worry about who responds and who don't. How'd you like to have Jeremiah's ministry? He preached, I don't know how long. Some of you probably know the Bible better than I do in that text. How long did Jeremiah preach? Anybody know? That was a long time. No converts. Am I right? Look at Noah. Preached for, I guess, 120 years. All he could win was his family. And they probably just went along because daddy said to. <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> My point is this. We can't quit because other people quit. We can't stop going to church because nobody else seems to be interested anymore. Right? Don't let that get into you. Whatever it is that robbed them of their joy and caused them to quit on God, don't, let, don't make the mistake of letting that happen to you. Strengthen the things that remain, the Bible says. Look, we've got something here. We've got something precious. We've got something worth fighting for. Amen. And we need to hold on to it. We need to pray that God will bless it and multiply it and grow it. But we're going to do that with an attitude of gratitude and joy and knowing that in spite of all the crazy out in the world, that God is still doing a work. Amen. So I, I, I just got to say, as for me and my house, we're just going to have to serve the Lord anyhow. And as for you and your house, you're going to have to do the same. Amen. And don't let it rob you of your joy and your zeal. Amen. And if that news depresses you, turn it off. And get in the Bible and let the Holy Spirit lift you up. Amen. Because you ain't going to change what they're going to do over in Washington, D.C. anyway. Amen. The only way you're going to change that, honey, is prayer. That's the only thing at this point I'm convinced they leave. Now, I'm not telling you not to vote. I mean, uh, if you want to vote, I encourage that. Amen. But at the end of the day, it's not a vote, obviously, that makes a difference anymore. Right? It's, it's, it's a prayer. It's trusting God and believing God. Amen. And even if it goes wrong and everything goes haywire and we lose our freedoms, I don't, I hope that don't happen. But if the Lord don't come back, it looks like it's headed that way. I'm telling you, in spite of all that, you can't let it rob you of your joy and you can't let it rob you of your service to the Lord. Serve God anyway. 
Get back in the fight. Amen. Get on this altar and repent for backsliding. Make things right with the Lord and get back up and go for God and don't ever look back and let God be God in your life. Amen. It's time that we, the people of God, snap out of whatever spiritual coma we're in and get busy for God again because God's Word still works. Everybody shout Amen. Amen.